Okay, people, so we are on episode 200. 200, right? Big. So we are bringing you a two-parter. And, um, yeah, we're going to start off with a couple of films. Then we're getting into a little film watch and an interview. Something I've been sitting on for a minute. Looking forward to dropping it on you people. But as we do, we will start off with the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 13th to the 15th of May. Okay, so at number 10, it is a film written and directed by Parazaram. I mean, you know, I don't really know anything about this, right? I think it's meant to be about a bank robbery scam something, right? But it's called um Sicario Barry Pata. Yeah, that's a number 10 film, people. Um, at number nine, right? I think this is a, a, a based on a Stephen King book, right? Firestarter. It is written by Scott Teams and directed by Keith Thomas. Our um, number eight film is the latest in the Fantastic Beast saga, directed by David Yates, written by Steve Cloves and J.K. Rowling. It's Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Mads Mickelson, Ezra Miller, Catherine Waterstone, Jude Law, Eddie Redmayne, you know, the crew, right? So that means our number seven joint, it's The Bad Guys, right? This is the new film from Pierre Perifil. Um, based on the Aaron Blabby book, written by Ethan Cohen and Yoni Brenner, with voice cast of Sam Rockwell, Mark Marin, Aquafina, Craig Robinson, Anthony Russo, Richard Akayeda, Zazie Beats. There's a lot of peoples, man. It's a lot of peoples. So our number six joint is the Lost City. This is from the knees, Aaron and Adam, right? Adam co-wrote with Dana Fox and Urin Uzel. And it's starring Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, Daniel Radcliffe, Brad Pitt, Oscar Nunez, Patty Harrison, Divine Joy Randolph. Yeah. So our number five people were in the top five, right? Our fifth film of the week is, um, you know, one of them concert joints. It's a little mix live, right? So I'm sure if you like your pop fan of girl bands, that was for you, okay? So, now, number four, it's Sonic the Hedgehog 2. So, this was from Jeff Fowler. Uh, it's written by John Whittington, 
Josh Miller and Pat Casey. We got Ben Swartz, Idris Elba, Cullen O'Shunzi, Jim Carrey, James Marsden, Ticker Sumter, Natasha Rockwell, Shamir Moore, you know. Um, which means our third film, I'm hearing this is very good, is everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay. So this is from Dan Kwan and Daniel Schnitt, right? They both wrote and directed the piece, starring Michelle Yu, Stephanie Hus, Ki Hoi Kwan, James Hong, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tally Medill, Jenny Slate, Harry Shum Jr., Biff Whiff, Sunita Manny, Aaron Lazar. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and take a look at that one. Right, so our two film is Downton Abbey, Fogies Abroad. I mean, that's not the tag, but it could be, right? Uh, so Michael Engler directs, and, you know, Julian Fellows wrote the joint. It's starring Matthew Good, Tuppence Middleton, Maggie Smith, Michael Doherty, Elizabeth McGowan, Aileen Leach. There's a lot of people up in it. And our number one film, again... It is the latest MCU big screen adventure. It's Doctor Strange 2, a.k.a. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Okay, Sam Ramy, he um, came in and, you know, finished off the direction. Uh, it's written by Michael Waldron. Okay. Um... And it is starring Benedict Cumberbunch, Elizabeth Olsen, Chetwell Editor, Benedict Wan, Zoichit Gomez, and Michael Schulberg, Rachel McAdams, Bruce Campbell, Julian Hillard, Jet Klein, Patrick Stewart, Soy Coyle, Keenan Moore, and more. Okay, so that's that. We're going to get into a little bit of news, and then we'll get into this week's films. Okay, people? So sit tight. Let's go. Okay, people, if you like a film festival, then this is something that could very well pique your interest. Okay, because Odyssey... A Chinese cinema season is launching in the UK this May. Collaborating with Picturehouse Cinemas, the Prince Charles Cinema, and Shift 72 for your online streaming, the festival will create a hybrid experience to reach as many attendees as possible across the UK and worldwide. Named after one of the most significant works of the Western canon, Odyssey aims to offer an exciting and mysterious journey through the contemporary cino cinematic world. Odyssey strives to empower the shared appreciation of cinema, drive inclusiveness in the film industry, and facilitate cross-cultural communication. 
the festival will not only introduce the latest young Chinese film talents to the UK audience, but also host panels with industry experts, scholars and filmmakers to boost creativity and exchange ideas. The curation of Odyssey revolves around diverse themes and genres. The screenings range from short films and features to new moving images by contemporary Chinese artists, demonstrating a pioneering and artistic spirit. Short film programs like Shanghai Animation Film Studio Retro attempt to break the boundaries between narrative and aesthetics and reimagine cinematography and visual art dimensions. In the feature film section, topics like Women Through Lens and Chinese regional cinema showcase the dynamics of Chinese society, culture, and aesthetics. All screenings will include a series of Q&As prepared by the curation team and special guests, including filmmakers, academics, curators, and critics. Industry-focused panels were the festival's highlights last year, which have attracted over 500 participants. Now in its second year, rebranded Odyssey has prepared another 10 new industry topics, from global, global sustainability to new business models, from co-production to distribution, from regional cinemas to female film programmers. All subjects are the leading visions and will help explore film-related collaborations between UK and Greater China. The opening film screening event will be hosted in person by the Picturehouse Cinemas in London and Edinburgh on the 10th of May with a reception. The festival program will bring about a whole month of Chinese cinema from the 10th of May to the 10th of June 2022, with more than 60 films in eight curated sections, 10 panel discussions and Q&A sessions. Outstanding, innovative and inspiring. These films promise to add some sparkle to 2022. Most of the program will be available online for all audiences across the country. And several prop-up special cinema screenings will come up throughout the festival. The online festival platform of Odyssey will be powered by Shift72, a leading streaming technology that has been used by renowned international festivals such as Cannes and Toronto. Okay, so our film program, right? A little bit of overview. The opening film will be Hard Love. This is a UK premiere. The opening film, Hard Love, centers on the wave of single girls. It discusses social hotspots like love, marriage, family, work, and childbirth, which today's youth are most concerned about spanning eight cities, including Shanghai, Beijing, Xi'an, San Francisco, and Phukwai Island. This documentary offers a group portrait of Chinese single women 
within a de delicately designed 97 minutes. Modern single women are also a heated topic for young people in the UK. Based on this mutual concern, this opening film shall go beyond the national boundary and bring audiences together. So that will be playing at 7.30 on the 10th at Picture House Fulham. Okay, so you've got pop-up special cinemas. Um, with these, we'll have films like Lan Yu, a classic that has come through the decades of critics. Lan Yu is one of the best gay films that China has ever produced. The film is not driven by homosexuality. It is a story about love. Its storytelling captures the arc of two souls and the visodicity of Beijing over a decade. This 20th anniversary 4K restoration version brings its 90s tonality to life to the fullest. That will be playing on the 12th at the Prince Charles Cinema. Uh, then there's River of Salvation. This is a UK premiere. First's favourite uh, River of Salvation unfolds a down-to-earth portrait of life in a small town in southern China with a meticulous, meticulous narrative structure and its last six minutes reversal. The script draws enormous emotional power from the deeply buried history of millions of ordinary women and their everyday struggles. This plays on the 17th of May, 7.30 at Picture House, Fintry Park. There's going to be some short films playing, such as Neo Horizon. Right, The festival has curated this screening and award category called Neo Horizon, the audience award our audience will have the opportunity to review and select films which will be nominated for this award. The curation team of Odyssey have selected six outstanding short films from all 123 submissions for this award. These refreshing and reflective films explore a vast range of critical issues facing our society today and transport Viewers explore the unique relationship between place, city, and an individual in a mysterious cinematic world. Right, there's an exploration. This section consists of 29 award-winning short films, highlights the different genres, themes, and aesthetics of 20th century China's cinema. Ranging from atmospheric shorts to incisive documentaries, this section begins with a slice of contemporary Chinese sci-fi before delving into musical productions in inventive animations and the comedy drama dramas about cross-cultural misunderstandings. The section features a schoolgirl with a genius IQ a drummer who finds inspiration in an ancient bathhouse and a hard-of-hearing boy desperate 
to pursue his dancing dreams. The directors defied tackle, definitely tackle serious social issues, including sex trafficking and the SARS outbreak, alongside subtle character studies. There's the Galaxy Artists Moving Image. This is a must-watch experimental film program spotlighting innovations in the moving image, breaking the boundaries between film, text, and art creation. These films roam in their own artistic galaxy and are all the cutting edge of Chinese experimental cinemas. The abstract concepts that drive the galaxy are no less exciting as the creators channel questions of cognition and perception through images of war, blindness, and light itself. These selected moving images represent the thrilling point of which film and visual art meet, creating a groundbreaking medium for euphorical expression. And then there will be Shanghai Animation Film Studio Retro. This retrospective program is in itself second edition, supported by Shanghai Animation Film Studio. This section will be screened online from the 20th to the 26th of May by looking back at classic Chinese animation, such as Little Carp Jumps Over the Dragon Gate, and the little stream from the 1960s, Nine Colored Deer and the Dev Deer's Bell from the 1980s, now in 2K restoration. This section offers UK audiences the opportunity to enjoy animated films in different eras and art styles while learning about the history of Chinese animation. There will also be um, feature films on uh, online. So the emerging waves. Right, this section pays special attention to the new generations of independent art house and documentary productions from the 12th of May to the 19th of May. Six innovative and inspiring films will be shown in this section in offline and online formats. Lan Yu, 4K Restoration, which is one of the best gay films that China have ever produced, will be shown on the 12th of May. Another award-winning title, River of Salvation, will be shown on the 14th. Apart from these special offline screenings, four additional films will be shown online via Shift 72, from the 13th of May, Being Mortal reproduces the bitterness of life by depicting an Alzheimer's patient's family. The fourth wall creatively uses the parallel universe as a narrative technique to discuss how to reconcile which family with family society and ourselves. Black Tide Coast follows a poetic style aiming to depict abstract emotions, ideas, and feelings beyond the control of images. And the arc utilizes documentary images 
to recall the complicated relationships between individuals and society, science and religion. Women through the lens. This section focuses on women's life experiences, which will be screened online from the 27th of May to the 2nd of June. This section currently consists of seven films. Wind expresses the plight of single mothers and daughters from ethnic minorities in a patriarchal society. Lum Conquers All shows an ambivalent intimate relationship that can conquer as well destroy everything. Springtide portrays a mother-daughter relationship of two generations in which both warmth and confirmation are intertwined. One summer, through the eyes of the protagonists to reflect many social issues arising in China today, including marriage, education, urban development, and the political system. And finally, Chang'e draws on the classic Chinese myth of Chang's, Chang'e running to the moon to create an iconic and compassionate mirror metaphor between the unearthly fairy and the exhausted 55-year-old factory worker. Only You Alone takes us on a journey through the struggles of a young girl with epilepsy, trying to realize her dream of dancing. We are also honored to have Ji Fei's Girl from Human with us, which is a pioneering work from the 1980s that reflects on on and critiques the tragic situation of women trapped in feudal traditional marriages. So, people, as you can see, there is a lot happening. But, as mentioned, there are also discussion panels. So, the panel one, Twin Flame, the reception of British cinema among a Chinese audience. Um, Panel two, virtual production and potential impact on film co-production. Panel three, women's practice in the contemporary Chinese film industry, female film programmers on the rise. Panel four, potentials and obstacles for British cinema showcase in China. Panel five, Chinese original cinema. Panel six, global sustainability as a storytelling strategy for non-Hollywood films. Panel seven, future development of Chinese animation industry and international collaboration. Panel eight, an investigation into current press coverages of Chinese language films in the UK. Panel nine, New business ideas and models for UK-China film collaborations. And panel 10, new distribution strategies for Chinese films in the UK. So there is a lot going down at Odyssey, people. And it all starts on the 10th of May. So 
this isn't one to be missed, right? Now, we've got all the links and information in the episode in info, you know, as we do. So make sure you go check it out because, you know, do you really want to miss a month-long extravaganza like Odyssey? Okay, people, let's start things off with a new Netflix joint. It is called Toscana. Okay, so, you know what I mean? I recently just finished the current season of MasterChef. And I was, you know what I mean? In, in that cookery mind state. So I decided to check out the new Netflix film, Toscana. I think that's how you pronounce it. I may be wrong. It's a Danish-Italian affair. So, yeah. There, there might be some little, you know what I mean, lilt on the name that I'm missing. But yeah, Toscana, right? So this is the new film from Mehdi Avaza. Um, he wrote and directed, came up with the story along with Nicolaj Shefik. Um, it is produced by um, Aziv. Uh, Puck Lodal Isfadit, um, executive produced by Jens Sorgard, Camille Matheson, Anders Matheson, uh, Christopher Jindal, and Heli Anderson. It's line produced by San Glezel. Um, associate produced by Stephanie Weese and Eben Westy was post-production. Okay, music is from Thomas Valamore Schultz. Cinematography is Michael Sua Christiansen. Uh, it's edited by Anders Hoffman and Niels Ostenfield. His casting was Kimi Norby. Um, production was Mike Nyborg. Um, and our cast. Well, um, we have got Theo. He is played by Anders Matheson. Um, hmm. Now, I think his mum was Ing. I think his mum was Ing. Um, and that she's played by Gita Norby. Um, we've got Sophia, played by Christiana Del Anna. Um, do, 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 Pino, played by Andrea Bosca. Um, we have got uh, Vincent, who's played by Christopher Jindal, uh, Luca, played by Pino Amandola, um, got Merle, played by Lurk Winfer, 
Zoltan, played by Sebastian Jensen. And, hmm, yeah. Um, Melanie, played by Caroline Beigman. Um, yeah, I mean, that's probably the main, a lot of people's. Okay, and the gist of the story is this. When a Danish chef travels to Tuscany to sell his father's business, he meets a local woman who inspires him to rethink his approach to life and love. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Like, we start off with a funeral, right? We, we start off with a funeral and... Um, you know, we have Sophia, you know, she's very sad. And then we have her with Pino. Like, we don't know the, 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 these names at this point, but we, we have him standing there and her saying, oh, if you send this letter, then it's the end of everything. All right. We then are in um, Denmark and we've got Theo. You know, he's in the kitchen and, the, you know, all the cooking and it, just that typical stuff. You know what I mean? Shouting at stuff and all of that, right? And we have, um, oh, man, I forget the woman's name. I forget the woman's name. I think it was, uh, hmm, I think it was Meryl, right? And she's like, yeah, we need investment. Otherwise, this place could crash. Obviously, right? We have someone coming in to invest and it doesn't go well, right? He doesn't want to go to Tuscany, but we know that is where it's leading, right? We like, yeah, there's nothing really crazy in our beginnings of this film, right? But I think one of the things is. It's like, what are the things which are, are stopping him from doing this? Too? Like, what's the hesitancy and just all of this? We understand there's a fractured relationship with the dad and just all of this stuff. So we have all of this and he goes there. And then again, we, we have the typical arguments and then it goes further, right? I think mean, that, that's the big thing. Like, there is no new ground with this film, right? And, you know, that, that's not necessarily the be or end all. We, we don't always need people to reinvent the wheel with these things, you know? Um, it looks beautiful, right? It, it, lovely views, you know, it's, it's very nicely put together, right? That, I think that's the big thing here. It, it, it looks good, right? Food looks, food looks good, a little pretentious, right? But, you know what I mean? It, it, like, it, it's not bad. It, it, it does, you know, there is that thing. <laughs> and it was one of those things, watching MasterChef. Like, flowers on the fucking plate. <laughs> like, why do we need all these flowers? It's the food, right? Um, but, yeah, that side of things, it, it, yeah, there's no wrong footing here. Good cinematography. Um, yeah. I think 
the the issue I have is just context. You know what I mean? It is like this film is moving along and things are happening and all of this, but to really feel that investment, right? The attachment to these characters, you know what I mean? Because we're essentially, we're following Theo on this transformation, right? We have Sophia with her kind of realizations and reckonings and just all of this stuff that is going down. For you to really get on board with that, feel we need more context here, you know, it's 90 minutes, and it did seem there's a lot of stuff that gets kind of rushed, you know, like, the whole thing with the dad, okay, dad left, right, but homie, I mean, he, he looks like he's a very successful chef, he's got Michelin stars, right, which is a huge, I think he had two, two Michelin, two Michelin star restaurant. One is big, two, you know what I'm saying? So it, it, it's like to be this, that's, that's impressive, right? He's got his mum who loves him, right? So you're just like, okay, so there's that. So it's just like, okay, what are the, the, the things around the dad leaving, right? Now, obviously, not saying it's a, ah, you should be fine. No. But where are the, like, what's the sticking points here? Because when we first meet him, he seems fine. And then there's this breakdown kind of thing, right? And it's just like, okay, so if you, you hate him, you've never spoken to him since this shit, so what, what's the thing here, right? Because you need to know that to really go, okay, I get it. I understand. I see. You know, because otherwise it just has him being a dick because, oh, that's how, you know, everyone perceives a chef to be. Oh, look, he's doing a Gordon Ramsay. Like, oh, cool. You know, when it's just like, listen, I... Yes, the majority of chefs aren't dicks, you know what I mean? So it's just like, what, what, what's going on? You know, just Sophia, right? There's this interaction at the beginning where she's being an ass, and it's just like, okay, what's that about? You know what I mean? So we have all of these things, and it's just like, okay, why are these actions these actions? You know? the other, There's the other thing of, you're kind of shown, like, Sophia, and um, I think it's Zutan. I think that's her friend in the kitchen. That, I don't know, they might not be the best chefs. But then later in the film, it, we have them demonstrating shit. And it's just like, oh, they are really good chefs. So it's just like, okay, what, what's happening? Are they good? Are they not good? Like, what's the, what's the deal here? Also, Theo is in Tuscany. I, I kind of feel it's just a week, right? So if it's a week, 
you're, you're, you're telling us that all of this stuff happened in just a few mere days, right? And he then decides to do all of these things on the basis of what? Because we don't see any crazy in-depth conversations. We don't see this, this coming together of souls, of minds, of hearts. We don't see that. But it's like, you know what I mean? With the story, you're, you're, you're led to believe that then all of these things will happen. Right? That all of these life-changing events happen on the basis of Right, and I think that's the, the 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 kind of issue if you're thinking about now. If you just want something light, like your typical kind of rom commy thing, then Toscana will be, you know, what I mean, it'll be fine. It, it's that lightweight kind of fare. But if you want something that truly resonates. Right, that really gets you invested in this story. I don't know if it does. You know, when we have things like Boiling Point, which I mean, come on, people, right? If you, you know, what I mean, we looked at it at the last London Film Festival, it's outstanding. It's now on Netflix, it is so well worth a watch. Now, it's not a rom com, it's a drama. But it really does show that intensity in the kitchen and just this, you know, this whole kind of story. And you, you actually feel that connection with the characters, right? This one doesn't, it doesn't hit you on that level, you know. But as I said, look, if you want something lightweight, Toscana could be, you know what I mean, the dish for you. Could be, but yeah, it depends what you're looking for, people. Depends what you're looking for. It's on Netflix, so. Okay, people, and we will end part one with the um, upcoming uh, biopic, right? Elizabeth, a portrait in parts. Okay, so, you know what, I'm not a huge fan of the royal family, you know what I mean? But I figured I would give this new film a check, right? It is Elizabeth, A Portrait of Parts, and it is, uh, it's directed by Roger Mitchell. And, uh, yeah, it turns out this is his last film. Right, he he died last year. Um, but yeah, this was the last thing he did, you know. So it is produced by Kevin Loder, um, executive produced by Samantha Allwinton and Peter Touche, with archive production from Rebecca O'Connor Thompson and Emily. Thomas. Original score is from George Fenton. It is edited by Joanna Crickmay. Um, Post-production was Roger Platt-Higgins. 
Sound um, was Brendan Nicholson. Visual effects, Timothy P. Jones. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting piece, this, I would say. Right? Um, the gist of the film, right? Uh, it's a unique and inventive feature documentary about the life of Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, yeah, the lady in, um, no, 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 it's a nostalgic, uplifting, and fresh modern chronicle of the extraordinary 70-year reign of Her Majesty the Queen, the longest-lived, longest-reigning British monarch and longest-serving female head of state in history. Which, you know, I think with the Platinum Jubilee, is the Platinum? I mean, I think it's the Platinum Jubilee, right? That's this. So it does seem an apt time for it to drop, right? Now, yeah, there's a director's statement from Mitchell, and it's this. Elizabeth, she is the longest lived and longest reigning British monarch ever. She is the longest serving female head of state in the history of the world the world's oldest living monarch, the longest reigning current monarch, and the oldest and longest serving current head of state. But she's now so much more than any of these things. She's entrenched as part of our collective unconscious, the stuff of our dreams, our projections, our sense of ourselves. By far the most famous female face in the history of the world. More people dream about the Queen than any other living person. She's the Mona Lisa, instantly recognisable and yet elusively and perpetually unknowable. She's entering her ninth decade of public service. There's hardly anyone on the planet who hasn't grown up with her face. Her presence her image constantly around them, her image everywhere, on coins and stamps and banknotes and on tea towels and mugs and sex pistol record sleeves and carrier bags, images encountered consciously or unconsciously many, many times a day, every day, every year, decade upon decade. She's a cult like Mao, Stalin, Marilyn Monroe. She's more famous than the Beatles. She's a fiction, a function of our imagination, and yet she lives. And it's her apparent ordinariness and humility and her refusal to move with the times in her dress or her routine that makes her all the more a fixed point in a chaotic firmament. We all carry around secret versions of her in our heads, and like it or not, the heiress of her is so important. The herness, the herness of her is so important. She's our collective mother. Everyone's mother looks like the queen. 
She's that special place where we can project our secret beliefs. The perfect void where anything is possible. She's a queen in a castle in a fairy story. Or the queen in a hard hat opening a recycling factory. And you don't have to be a monarchist to have the queen in your head. Using archive like a time machine will build a portraits and versions of the woman and the icon. Whizzing back and forth through the decades, sampling needle drop music and a bit of social history along the way. And what social history? It's almost unbelievable that one woman can have experienced so much change in one lifetime. That is, our lifetimes, our change, our lives, our social history. But here, crystallized and concentrated and distilled through the prism of HMQ. Even the archive, its texture and color from the 1930s to 2020s. Each clip like a tiny burst of time capsule stacked with the scent of the past. The queen growing up, being handed hundreds of bouquets, shaking a thousand hands. As all around her, Time and the world swells like a tropical typhoon. Everything in the canvas changes. Absolutely everything except her. Elizabeth. A celebration but without judgment or voiceover or debate or talking heads or commentary. A truly cinematic mystery tour up and down the decades. Playful, poetic, funny disobedient, ungovernable, affectionate, inappropriate, mischievous, and in awe. So I feel that basically, you know what I mean, sums up everything about this, right? And what you can expect. Because, you know what I mean, I, I feel that it is clear that Michel loved the Queen. Right, and and that's what you do get with this, you know. It is a a a look across the decades, as he says, and I think you know it is woven together nicely, right? I I, I think there is that, and there are a few little glimpses behind the curtain. I feel like glimpses of kind of honesty, right? There's a moment and she's talking about um, sailing down the Thames with Winston Churchill. And she's like, it just looked like dirty water. But, you know, Churchill said it was something along the lines of, it's a vein of silver that intertwines the city and holds it all together. And she was just like, man, I then thought to myself, you know what I mean? Like, huh, maybe I'm looking at this all wrong. Like, he's got this poetry about it, right? He's able to see more than what is just in front of you, right? And I thought, and, and that seemed like this honest, true little moment, right? There's a few other clips of her talking about, you know, 
state heads of state and blah 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 right the polish head of state and all of that but that's kind of it you know what i mean like everything else is like we get clips of her talking to press or you know talking to someone as part of a you know what i mean you kind of feel it's like the moments before or after interviews and stuff like that but yeah there, there wasn't necessarily any real kind of heartfelt moments right it, we're seeing kind of things like you know talking about the commonwealth and how she built it and 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 hold it together and got all these countries to sign on and all of that kind of thing which is fine but you kind of like i wanted to you know i would have loved to have heard the the thought on that because yeah you know I mean? when you think about this they you know they talk about the empire and all of this but it's like yeah but then look at all this shit, right? Look at all the all the bad stuff, all, all the fact, yeah, you had an empire and it, it rinsed certain countries, stole their resources, and then you finally gave them independence. But they're in debt to you, right? What's the views on those things, right? That you, you see some archived footage of, you know, National Front and stuff like that and you know race riots and things which kind of felt weird to be in there with no real context you know what i mean and it's like okay so what's her view on that kind of thing because we know philip said some shit right now i don't believe philip is racist i think he was an old dude and you speak to most old people and they will say some racist shit. You know what I mean? Because that's the shit that was said when they were young. And they ain't really changed, you know? But it's just like, all right, what are your views on this? Right? And we see her being um, ordained and, you know, in churches and stuff like that. So what's your views on the church? And they're pedophilia, right? Just all of these things. It, like, to get a real portrait, a real kind of glimpse, it's like, what do you feel about all of these things? You know? Because we see her laughing with prime ministers and all of this. But I kind of feel it's one of them things, right? You know when you're at work and the CEO might come and they'll say something and it's not funny. Not funny. But everyone around you starts laughing and it's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, no, that does not warrant a laugh. You know what I mean? But people are doing it because it's just like, I don't want to lose my job. I want I want in. I want in the inner circle. And so we see a lot of people laughing at things she says. But it's just like, yo, <laughs> come on, let's be real. That ain't funny, man. That ain't funny. So it's just like, we, we see all of this. But do we really, really see the real face of the Queen? I don't really think we do. But we see a lot. We see a lot. It's crazy 
like you know we have clips of people who were like so woman that traveled all this way to be able to you know go see the queen arrive at some spot and you're just like what the fuck man you crazy motherfuckers you know what I mean so it's all of that and sometimes the musical choice right there's a, a song playing like take a knee but it, 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 it's on visits to past colonies. And that felt real fucking weird. You know what I mean? It's a bit like, yo, what are you doing? Like, what? No. No, 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 no. Like, don't, like, ugh. But, you know, this, like, this wasn't made for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, as you see from the statement, this is for people that will travel to see the queen open something, you know, avoid visit, will go to, uh, you know, stand and, you know, watch a procession at a royal wedding or a troop in the colour or, you know, I mean, just the, the, the thing where she goes in the carriage every year, you know what I mean? It, it's those things. This is for those people. Right, people that love the queen. That's what this is, right? I, 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 as I said, look, I don't think it's anything more. You know, it 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 doesn't. Yeah, it 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 doesn't really uncover like this treasure trove of stuff. You get glimpses of moments through history, you know. We, we do see that. We see her giving speeches and, and, and that kind of thing. But, yeah, it, it's just glimpses, right? It's flicking through a book, essentially. You know what I mean? When you flick and all the pages and horses run and just all. Yeah, that, that's what this kind of is, right? It, it's a flicker book of, uh, yeah, of the queen. So, if you love the Queen, then I feel this will be, uh, this will make you smile. You know, if you don't, then it's probably not for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it will be hitting the cinemas on the 27th, right? Um, the 27th, that's a Friday, right? I think it's a Friday. <sighs> Man, it's, it's, it's so easy to lose track. Yes, the 27th is a Friday, right? So it, that's when it will hit cinemas. And then, people, it will be on Prime Video from the 1st of June. So, uh, yeah, if you're if you're waiting for it, you can't get the cinema, or you're still a little scared to go to the cinema, and you have Prime, you can wait. But... If you're all, you know what I mean, jubilee up and you want to celebrate, then you can go see it in the cinema. But yeah, people, um, you know, if you enjoy Roger Mitchell's films, you know, like he's done a lot of stuff. Like the, you know, he did um, Buddha of Suburbia, right? That TV series. I remember watching that. And the last film of his, which I loved. Oh, my gosh. I believe it was 2018. 
it may have been, I think it may have been 2019, but it was Blackbird, right? Starring Susan Sarandon. And it was, it, you know, it played during the London Film Festival. And that film was phenomenal. That was so fucking good. If you haven't seen Blackbird, people, highly recommend it. You know what I mean? Now, these are completely different films, you know? But, yeah, if you like Mitchell's films and you want to see the last thing he did, then Elizabeth, a portrait of parts, is that. So, cinema on the 27th of May, prime video on the 1st of June. There you go, people. You have choices. Okay, people, so as we come to an end of part one, part one, remember, people, we will take a look at what's happening in the world of film, okay? So, uh, yeah, we know there is a Barbie film coming from Greta Gerwig, Greta, Greta Gerwig, right, and uh, Mark and um, Noah Backenbaugh. You know what I mean? So that's coming. Um, now, and the cast is crazy, right? Margaret Robbie is playing Barbie. Brian Gosling is playing Ken. We got America Ferrera, Simul Yu, Isa Ray. Michael Sarah, Kate McMinnon, you know what I mean? Alexandra Ship, and so many more. <laughs> we have another two joining the crazy ass cast. Okay, so we've got Soriza Ronan and Dua Lipa. Yeah, they are the new additions to this <laughs> so uh yeah i don't even fucking know man i like yeah it's kind of crazy right it is kind of crazy so yeah we will see um we will see what the fuck happens with that one <laughs> now um yeah, over at Universal, right? They they're making their uh, Dracula sequel, right? Um, the Last Voyage of the Dementor, kind of a sequel, kind of a you know what I mean, just thing, right? Um, but yeah, it, it, it's been pushed back a little, right? It was meant to be dropping in January 2023. It will now be August 2023. I mean, if that, I mean, if you're knocking something like that back, right? It, it's around Dracula, it's horror bay. You might as well move it to fucking October and, and have it as a Halloween joint, right? I mean, you know, you've already pushed it back seven fucking months. You might as well. I, I would say, but I don't know. I make these decisions, obviously, people, right? Um, now, in <laughs> this seems fucking, you know, I mean, if Barbie wasn't weird, <laughs> this is fucking, you know, what I mean, now, in in what was it 2009, we had law abiding citizen, 
It was a film from uh, Gary, well, F. Gary Gary. F. Ga no, F. Gary Gray. Um, I always say Gary Gary. It's Gary Gray, right? He directed it. It starred Jamie Foxx and Gerald Butler. And I did not like it. <laughs> I remember going to the cinema and watching that and was just like, ugh, this is so fucking dumb. It's getting a fucking sequel, man. Yeah. Seems a crazy one. But yeah, it is getting a sequel. So Butler, Alan Siegel, and Lucas Foster are returning. And it looks like Kurt Wimmer, who wrote the original, is going to be writing this new version. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Whew. I like, maybe it's good, right? I don't fucking know. But I can't remember the last really good Gerald Butler film I enjoyed. But I keep an open, I keep an open mind, people. So um, another film we've been hearing a lot about in recent weeks, like Barbie, it's Fast X. You know, I mean, the the last, well, part of the last, you know, film in the franchise. You know, part one of the last film. In the, you know, what I mean, um, yeah. Well, Scott Eastwood. Right, he was in the um, which which number was he in? The eighth film, right? Um, well, he's coming back for film ten. So uh, yeah, if you enjoyed his, uh, you know, his character of, um, you know, was it small Mister Little Nobody? Yeah. Um, yeah, he's coming back. Okay. Um, now another film he will be in is Tin Soldier. Right. This is a uh, a new indie flick. Right. Um, it is being directed by Brad Furman, um, who co-wrote it with Jess Furst. Uh, Keith Kajaval, Stephen Chasman, and Brad Feinstein will be producing. And along with Eastwood, we've got Jamie Foxx and Robert De Niro oh, and John Lesguagamo, right? So the gist is this. Fox is playing a character called the Book, the Book Ushi, right? So it's um, a preach. A man who preaches to hundreds of veterans who have been drawn to the promise of protection and purpose under him. Surrounded by devout military trained followers, he has built an impenetrable fortress and amassed an arsenal of weapons. After several failed infiltration attempts, military operative Emmanuel Ashburn who is played by De Niro, recruits an ex-Special Forces asset, an ex-Bokushi disciple, Nash Kavanagh. Now, that's our Eastwood character. 
um, right, to try and infiltrate. Obviously, he agrees. Um, and yeah, he's looking to get revenge. He <laughs> sounds goofy, I know. We will see. All right. Um, now, I, I guess, you know what? I like. Because Laura, the sequel to Laura Abiding Citizen isn't the only out-of-left film project that has sprung up. We are also going to get another Ocean's Eleven, um, you know, installment. This time, right, it, it won't be... What are we on right now? Ocean? Did we have Ocean's 13? I don't even fucking know. But, no, this isn't... Ocean's 14, 15, or whatever, it's going to be Ocean's 10. I mean, it's not called Ocean's 10. It just says it's a prequel, right? But, you know what I mean? Essentially, that's what it would be, right? Because, you know, Ocean's 11 is the original, so this would kind of be Ocean's 10, right? If we're going by the numbers. Um, yeah. Now, <laughs> it's set in the 60s, right? It's set in the 60s. Oh my gosh. Um <laughs> oh dear. so Jay Roach um and Margaret Robbie are bringing this new iteration to life. <laughs> it is written by Carrie Solomon. Um, yeah, you know, most of the story is, is basically kept under wraps. It's produced by Robbie Roach, Michelle Graham, and Tom Ackerley. So, uh, there you go. I don't even know, man. Is it like, if you're setting it in the six, like, does it even need to be attached to oceans? could just be a heist film, right? I don't know. I don't know. Crazy things happen. You know what I mean? Um, Anthony Hopkins. Hey, he's still doing his thing, man. He is still doing his thing. And he has joined director Matthew Brown's new film, Freud's Last Session. Um, it is set in the eve of World War II, where Freud, in his twilight years, um, he invites Chronicles of Narnia author C.S. Lewis for a debate over the existence of God. Touching upon Freud's relationship with his lesbian daughter Anna and Lewis's romance with his best friend's mother. Hmm. That's, I'd never heard that. I mean, the, the things I'd heard about Lewis was, uh, you know... I know that you know there was a potential that he was in love with his friends, kind of thing. But I didn't know he he was boinking his friend's mum. C.S. Lewis was a motherfucker, son of a bitch. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's written by Mark Saint Germain. Um. Yeah, I think it's adapted. Oh, adapted from a book, from a play, right? And um, yeah, Anthony Hopkins will be playing Freud. Hmm, 
Now, I wonder who they're going to get to play C.S. Lewis. I wonder. But, bruh, I mean, sounds interesting. I didn't know that he had a debate with C.S. Lewis. So, well, I'm intrigued, people. I am intrigued. Okay, so um, we've got a new film from director Alex Prias. You know, it's called Sister Darkness, right? Um, they're saying it's a macabre female-driven fever dream of revenge and gothic terror. Set in the 30s in uh, England, um, where newlywed Alice stumbles across her doppelganger, Isla. Now, Alice is unhappy. Dum, dum, dum. Isla's existence is a mysterious mystery seeped in a tale of bloody retribution against her oppressors. The hellish supernatural nightscape and a dreadful uprising against the deceitful and aristocracy. Hmm. I don't know, man. Could be intriguing, right? We will see what happens with that. Okay, so um, Bong Jon Hoi, he's working on a new feature, right? It is based on a book uh, from Edward Ashton called Mickey Seven. Mickey or Mikey? I don't know. Is it Mickey? M-I-C-K-E-Y? Or is that Mikey? I don't know. Anyway, that's what it's called, right? Now, the book isn't out yet. It's coming. It's about to drop, right? Um, yeah. And so it says to follow a man on an expedition to colonize the ice world, Niflium. Um, the man is meant to be, is said to be an expendable employee who takes jobs too risky for anyone else. When he dies, he regenerates as a clone with most of his memories intact. Presumed dead after an accident, Mikey Seven returns to Mission's base only to see that a new clone, Mikey Eight, has taken his place. Bum, 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 bum. So um, Bong as well as directing, he's producing, and he's writing the screenplay. Yes. Now, the film will have Naomi Aki, um, Tony Collette, and Mark Ruffalo, along with Robert Pattinson. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with that one. Do like a good sci-fi film? So, yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Um, now, um, Jeffrey Renner, he's putting down the bow and he's picking up the, the pen, as it were, as he will be playing David Armstrong, right? An award-winning journalist um, and the journalist who uh, shone the light on the Sackler family and the opioid academ academic epidem epidemic. Ooh. I mean, I mean, it's a difficult word, people. Don't hate. Now, it is directed 
by Aaron Goot and Gita Pulapapli. Um, yeah, and uh, y- you know, what I mean, it's uh, yeah, I think it's um, kind of a biopic, you know, what I mean, doesn't have a name as of yet, but uh, I mean, listen, we, we had that, um, gosh. There was that, you know, the, the one about the things on uh, Disney Plus that followed the, you know, the whole opioid thing, right? So, you know, this stuff is um, dope sick, that's it, dope sick, right? And we've had other documentaries on Netflix. So, you know, the, yeah, these stories are coming to light. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Now, um, Benedict Cumberbunch is killing it with Doctor Strange at the moment, and he's teaming up with Paul Greengrass for The Hood. Right? It's said to be an action drama. Um, Greengrass is also writing the script, you know, and it's about a peasant revolt in England. Cumberbatch will play a farmer who becomes the leader um, of an up rising yeah you know um oh man I, yeah there was a film in uh i think it was a 2019 film festival i forget what it was called mike lee directed it mm. yeah <laughs> that was a solid fact wasn't it Woo-hoo. okay let's move on let's move on um Right, so that's being sold at Cannes, and another couple of films that have been sold is um, Pain Hustlers, right? This is the new joint from David Yates, and Netflix has snapped this one up. Follows a high school dropout and mother who lands a job with a failing pharmaceutical startup in a yellowing strip mall. Right, her charm, guts, and drive catapult the company and her into the high life where she soon finds herself at the center of criminal conspiracy with deadly consequences. And that one is starring Emily Blunt. So, um, yeah, I like Blunt, right? So, yeah, and Yates has brought out some good films, so we'll see what happens. We will see. What happens? Also, um, there is uh, oh, what's it called? Fuck, um, fingernails, whoo, fingernails, right? That's a new sci fi joint. Apple would pick that one up, you know. It is um, directed by Christos Nikus, right? Um, and it will be starring Jesse Buckley and Riz Ahmad. Um, so, right, a test has been discovered that measures whether married couples are truly in love. Right, we, we had that Netflix TV series. I think it was the one, right? And then Amazon had Soulmates, I believe that was called, which kind of dealt with the same similar thing. So, yeah, this, this, this test being found, um, and the Institute have opened to help couples succeed. Um, 
Now, a woman um, is very skeptical of the whole thing, right? She's had a positive result, but yeah, she's still a bit like, huh, really? So she takes up a job with um, one of these institutes, right? And she's working for um, a mysterious and dedicated instructor. Um, yeah. So it is produced by Kate Blanchett. Coco Francini and Andrew Upton. Another new film on the horizon is uh, Stone Mattress, right? It's an adaptation of Margaret Atwood's book, which, to be honest, I haven't come across that one. I I thought I'd done a lot of Atwood's books. Never come across this. Um, but yeah, it is being directed by Lynn Ramsey, you know, who's turned out some very good stuff. And it's starring Julianne Moore and Sandra. Ooh. Right? So um, Moore plays Verna, um, a six-year-old woman, retired, um, and twice a widow. She embarks on a luxurious cruise into the silently thawing Arctic Northwest Passage. Um, on board, she meets the friendly and charming Grace and the seemingly ordinary Bob, an unaccompanied man around her age who inherited a family business and tries to seduce her. However, he might not be the foolish yet harmless man he initially appears to be, and his presence troubles Verna. As wounds and humiliations from her past resurface, her quiet yet shocking act of vengeance will change everything. Bum, 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 bum. And let's end with this one. So, um, J James Samuel, right, he you know, a music producer, and he came, right, he kicked in the fucking film door with The Harder They Fall last year. It was fucking outstanding. If you haven't seen it yet, what are you doing? It's on Netflix, people. But, boy, it is is magnificent. It was a thing to see in the cinema, the sound, everything. It was killer. It was so fucking good. Well, on the back of that, Samuels has a new joint coming, right? And it's called The Book of Clarence, right? And it will be starring Lakeith Stanfield, who was also in The Harder They Fall, you know? Um, Yeah, it says it's set in 29 AD. That's Anno Domini, if you don't know, right? And um, yeah, it is meant to be in the vein of those old epic films like uh, The Ten Commandments and Ben Hur. So, hey, on the back of The Harder They Fall, I am down for anything fucking James does, man, because he showed some skill. Showed mad skill in that one. So, people, that's it for part one. 
You will not want to miss part two. Trust me, people. Trust me. It was a... Oh, man. It, it was a truly fantastic opportunity. Got to speak to, you know what I mean? A legend in the making. So, people, I better see you there. All right? All right. Until then. Peace.